Hi everyone, welcome back to the latest episode of Forward Thinking. It's Charlie and Chrissy here from CS2. So today I'm going to be posing a question to Chrissy, um, all about sales engagement platforms and you know their their rise has been pretty substantial over the last how what would you say three four five years um and now they're a very integral part of everyone's technology stack but they're still like like all tech that kind of like comes up and gets complicated and is add to the mix there's a lot of things that people seem to forget or they don't know what to do they don't know what they don't know so then chris is going to take through i think you have four different five five different things okay five different aspects that people generally miss when they're implementing or them owning a sales engagement platform. Yeah. So Chrissy, yeah, any any context you want to add before you get into it or um, yeah. do you want to just dive right in? Yeah, I feel like um, that in the attempt for sales engagement platforms to be a all-in-one solution uh, for sales and how they engage their prospects, that means that it's, you know, not complicated, but it, it is a platform that needs a lot of attention and can have downstream effects uh, for certain things the same way as like managing a market automation platform. Mm-hmm. So I think outside of a market automation platform, this one is one that needs probably the most at- attention in like a B2B tech stack. Um, and oftentimes it, it, it doesn't get that mainly because the business owner isn't uh, usually an operational person. So, uh, but yeah, so I'll kick it off. These are five things to keep in mind, really, like if you're rolling out a new sales engagement platform, or like Charlie said, you, um, own one, or maybe you just inherited one and and things to look out for. So the first one, I kind of just alluded to it, but the platform really needs a operational owner and a business owner. And I say this because, Oftentimes the operational like owner, like will maybe implement it and then kind of walk away and and let the business owner kind of run it from day to day. But most business owners who usually are a salesperson or an SDR manager, they're not really Mm -hmm. like an operational person. So they're not going to do basically the things that it probably needs for day to day. So really a business owner is there to help answer you know, SDR sales questions, create global sequences, enforce training, report back on like the activities or how, how well the sequences are, are going. But really that's like just the day-to-day management for like how their team uses it. But also it needs an ops owner. And so an ops owner works on the integration, getting that reporting back into the CRM, looking out for sync errors, which a lot of these tools, like they have the ability to show a sync error to like your CRM system. Um, but it's not always like obvious. Um, and no one's really monitoring that, but it can, it can actually cause issues, uh, with either getting data back into your system or maybe even not being able to sequence or cadence uh, people properly. So that's a, that's a big, big one. Um, but also just other things around, um, putting in any triggers, rules to add people to sequence and cadences. That's all something that would be pretty challenging for a business owner to do. So I do think an operational owner should be in charge of that. And that can be someone in sales ops. It can be someone maybe who's more operational on the sales enablement team um, or like sales um, success kind of team. 
um, or marketing operations. Um, typically, we see this kind of falling into a marketing operations camp recently, um, and purely due to the nature of it um, being email, like a big part of it. So, and maybe more of a SDR tool than a AE well, tool or something, right? Totally, yeah. A lot of the times the SDR would use it rather than AEs. But now I think full sales teams are using it. So it's kind of this thing where like, if you're not um, enforcing an owner, it kind of just um, also can cause confusion. So a lot of the times it's this like hacky sack or hot potato kind of thing where like sales ops will kind of throw it in marketing or marketing doesn't have the bandwidth mm -hmm. to do it. And so I think it should be a joint effort to really say, okay, who's going to be the operational owner of this? And um, otherwise we need to staff appropriately to make sure it has owner. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point. We speak to a lot of people and I, had, I do ask a lot, who owns outreach and who owns sales stuff? And the answer is always, hmm, no, no one really, like I kind of do some stuff in there. And the way I like to think about it is imagine if that was the same with your marketing automation platform, like yeah. Marketo or Pada or something, or even your Salesforce platform, like, there was like, okay, I don't really know who owns Marketo, but like we kind of all have, we kind of all just do stuff in there. Everyone on everyone listening to this knows that that would turn into a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And it's, and a lot of people don't, they don't understand that these sales engagement platforms, they are, you know, big, unwieldy, not unwieldy, like big complicated tools that need this owner. So I think it's a really great point. Um, all right. Number two. Yeah. So uh, this goes back to really need an operational owner as well, but number one, this tool sends email. So really <laughs> you need to put in measures to protect email de deliverability the same way, like your marketing automation solution would have. So like whatever protocols you put in place, like you need to do that. So this is, you know, something you want to work with your IT team to make sure that you have you know, SPF, DCAM, potentially DMARC, but in place for the sending um, from that platform, you're usually on like a shared domain um, on these tools, the same way as you start out maybe on a market automation platform. So it's important. Shared IP. Sorry, shared IP. Um, apologies for that. <laughs> um, shared IP. And so um, I'm going to go into domains in a second. Um, so you, you definitely want to... Um, potentially think about other things with your IT team that you want to do for um, managing and filtering of that email. So um, it, in some ways, if you're using like a subdomain for emailing from your marketing automation solution, um, you probably want to chat with your IT team to see if you need to actually do that within outreach as well. If, if they're expecting any email outside of what you send from your employees to come from a certain um, subdomain of your main domain, then you want to make sure that's alignment. Because typically what happens out of the box is it just lines up to whatever the user's email address is in, um, like in their CRM. Um, and, and kind of on the deliverability thing, I think you're about to go on to it next, but um what would you say, although I'm going to turn this into a question, what would you say is kind of the biggest issue that's damaging deliverability, like with a um, sales engagement platform? I think it's when it, people lose sight and think of it as like an email blast tool. Like I, I think people forget, like there's a, there's a sales engagement platform for a reason. They want to send out 
more targeted, personalized email and give that, uh, you know, the ability to pull in fields and stuff easily for an SDR, but really this shouldn't be just a bulk blast email. So putting in some governance in place, you can put in rules to prevent mass bulk email. You can ensure that there's limits on how many people can even be added to a sequence or cadence during a certain given time. Those are all things I highly suggest putting in because sometimes for an SDR or salesperson, when they're like feeling like they can't meet their goals, but feel very stressed out about it. What happens is like, they just think, mm -hmm. okay, I need volume. I need to add like all these people to this automated sequence. Um, and another thing to do there is educate, um, really like let them know what actually gets results. It's not these automated sequences that have all automated steps. There should be manual steps to most of your sequences. And that means that you're actually going in and personalizing those emails. And I'll get back to the personalization in a second. Yes, it's a customer experience disaster waiting to happen, right? <laughs> if you don't have governance over all of that stuff, yeah. you know, because you're just blasting people, spamming people out of that system. Maybe you're doing out of your out of your marketing automation system and you're just pissing a ton of people off. Yeah, and we need to be realistic, like for outbound purposes, which is what these tools are usually used for. Is these are all like cold leads a lot of the time. I know it's being used for inbound follow-up as well, but um, that's where, you know, companies usually look. And if you're emailing bigger enterprises, like you can basically ruin your uh, company's ability to even get into that company's inbox again, because mm -hmm. like you just start spamming them, they'll, you know, they'll mark you as spam and then it'll really hurt your chances of getting into the inbox. So, so it hurts marketing too. So if you are in marketing, like, this is just one more reason why you need to get a handle on it. Yeah. So third thing. Let's go. This, this is the one that I'm probably most passionate about right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you go on, on your rant now. <laughs> um, but I don't really, think we have enough time. <laughs> the, the next thing is like, you need to handle opt-ins and opt-outs appropriately. There's many cases where we've, um, you know, been working with clients and we see this as a weak point that I haven't really like thought out how to, to uh, manage opt-ins appropriately. They maybe just have an email opt-out, which is like an unsubscribe field mapped, but they're not thinking holistically on like from a email privacy perspective, can I even email this person? Mm -hmm. And um, so there are things that you can do to manage this. I also suggest, um, Number one, I, I, I find that suggests putting in granular opt-in settings. You can definitely do this within um, like outreach and that's for email, phone, and SMS. So that reps can still have sequences and cadences with steps for like social or colleague um, that still get honored, even if you can't email them. So maybe they'll skip the email steps because they're not opted into email, but you can still do the other steps mm -hmm. to try and to try and get them to opt in. And then um, you'll want to ensure that you put in the correct mapping for the email opt-out or opt-in. And so, um, yeah, do you have any insight into that? I know you've been working on a lot of opt-ins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Where'd you start? So, I mean, out of the box, right? Generally, you'll have your unsubscribed field in your marketing automation platform like Marketo. You have your email opt-out field in Salesforce and they're kind of like yeah. mapped out yeah. of the box. And then you will have your tool like outreach, 
which would generally like when you first set it up, you're going to use the, the same email opt out field. Now that, that is fine. If you want to just kind of have opt out be the only reason you wouldn't email someone. Right. But the problem is there are many more layers to that. If you're going to be doing things properly, like you should be making sure that people are opted in, mm-hmm. right? If someone's opted out, um, they're opted out. But if someone is not opted in, they're not opted out, but you still can't email them, right? So that field is still false. They're, they are not unsubscribed, but you still can't email them. So that's a little bit yeah. of a tricky situation. So what I normally recommend in that situation is you know, speak to legal, go through this process with your marketing team, sales team, SDR team, legal, and figure out are sales based on your definition or your interpretation of the law in whatever region that you're, you're marketing to, are sales allowed to email people that are not explicitly opted in? Because if they are in and you're being, you haven't got a lot of governance, then maybe you don't, you're, you're okay with that setup because you only care if they've opted out. So if they opt out through a Marketo email, that will sync across all three systems and then they'll be opted out in your engagement platform. But if they're not opted in, sales can still email them. Now you want to think about in Marketo, can I email them if someone, if I'm not opted in? Generally, I'd say you shouldn't. So therefore, maybe you would have them not opted in in Marketo. So they'd be marketing suspended in Marketo. But then obviously that's a different field. That's not syncing to outreach. So that's just one example. There's a lot of other examples like, you know, so in in, in keeping with Marketo, right, you might have 10 different ways that someone could get marketing suspended. They could be wanting to pause emails for, for 90 days. You might want to marketing suspend them because they bounced a couple of times. You want to suspend them for all a host of reasons, right? Maybe they just got recycled, whatever. Now you're going to want to think, okay, if someone's marketing suspended, depending on the reason, and you should be tracking a reason field, maybe I want them not to be emailed out of outreach. So in that case, you can't rely on the unsubscribe field because I would never recommend, okay, if someone's marketing suspended, I wish I should unsubscribe them as well. Unsubscribe should only be for someone who's explicitly unsubscribed. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you might need to have another field. And I think you just mentioned this, like a sales opt-out field, which you can control independent of the unsubscribe field. So then you can put more you know, logic and thinking into that. So it could be, okay, if someone unsubscribes, I set that as true. If someone is marketing suspended for these reasons, set that to true, right? So mm-hmm. you might need more customization around and not just rely on the unsubscribe field so i'll kind of leave it there because you can kind of kind of yap on about this forever but <laughs> you know just to really think about it and the, the recommendation i always give is um think through the reasons for unsubscribe talk to your legal team on the on your um on your rules of engagement on how you are allowed to engage with non-opted in people and that might be different for marketing and sales and then the answer to kind of those two questions would generally tell you whether you can just rely on the unsubscribe field or if you need a separate field in your sales engagement platform to handle kind of like this more custom whether a custom value or custom checkbox to say whether they you sales can email them or not yeah so there you go yeah um I, yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> i love that a rant. bit in the week no. <laughs> But yeah, it's important. And that, that probably is one of the biggest things I see go wrong, right? Yeah, totally. Um, biggest and, thing. Oh, and actually one other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, you, you might be handling unsubscribe from your sales engagement platform through people just like wanting responding, 
right? Because you mm -hmm. might not have an unsubscribe link. That's another thing. So a lot of times you can't really automate the unsubscribe at that point. You have to just like audit who's unsubscribed or get sales to like manually change the stage or whatever. Yeah. That is another big issue. So I, I would like really try and figure out like what is your unsubscribe process for emails going out of your sales engagement program. Audit that, figure it out because nine times out of 10 when we've looked at it, there are people, and I, I wrote a post about this the other day, there are people like messaging back, unsubscribe, stop emailing me, unsubscribe, and like nothing's happening to them. And the, the platform, you know, is just carries on emailing them. And that's, that is the, a one-way ticket to the spam folder. It's probably a one-way ticket to that person thinking, I'm never going to buy from this company again. Yeah. So, I, I, and I think <laughs> the thing is there, we suggest like just err on the side of giving people an option to unsubscribe. Like people aren't dumb. They expect it to be there. And even if you're receiving an email from sales, like, yeah. or you can put in rules on like when it should be there and when it shouldn't. So, um, but yeah, definitely agree with the sales opt-out field because you can only learn that to one from these solutions and you want to make sure it's not just based on unsubscribe, but really is just like, can we email them? Um, so yeah, so going into the fourth thing, uh, and this is something that a hundred percent of the time I see wrong. And I usually, when I start engaging with a client or with our team, I, I say this when they start engaging with a client, he uses this tool. I'm actually suggest. dealing with this one with the client right now as well. So uh, despite your implementation or success manager or someone from these companies telling you that you should map your lead status field directly to the stage field in these tools, um, I 100% say you shouldn't um, for many reasons. Uh, it can seem like, oh, this is, yeah, great. Like I want to automatically update lead status based on what's happening in a sequence. But there's a couple of reasons why you don't want to do that. So the first thing is a lot of the times these tools like don't even look at what the current status of the person is. So if you have a lead lifecycle management that is based on statuses changing and you want to ensure that it changes like properly, having this tied to the rules that you're relying on how the stage is being set in your platform is, you know, subject to a lot of problems. Uh, you can move people out of a certain status that shouldn't. You can update or overwrite someone's status that you wouldn't want to. And so I definitely don't suggest doing this. Also, um, some of these rules are set via rule sets, which is tied to a sequence, but sometimes emails aren't even sent from a sequence. So sometimes their stage isn't even being changed when you're actually um, sending this person emails. So I suggest because you're syncing activities for emails, calls, you know, social posts or social connections, stuff like that, use those activities to dictate as well as like their, you know, their stage field. So you can sync their stage to a custom field, use this data to then decide how you want to change their status and set the automation within Salesforce um, or your CRM, whatever CRM you're using. Uh, this gives you more control because you can decide you know, when to update someone's stage to pro properly. Um, you can do it, you know, only at the right times. Um, and then so you don't move people backward. Um, there's a lot of times where it doesn't line up. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. um, and also just, it doesn't really support field dependencies very well. So you likely would end up having to have like five stages just for different recycles because you need mm -hmm. to know 
what the recycle reason is to set. And then you usually have to use like a trigger or something else to do that because those fields are dependent on the status changing. So instead it's better to just use automation to do that based on what the um, sales team is setting as those reasons. Or you can make, you can make assumptions based on kind of the result of those activities. Um, so this is a number one thing. I'm also about to make this change for our clients. So, um, and documentation will tell you otherwise. So um, yeah, if you want more details on how I suggest doing this, um, you would probably need to DM us or, or message us or something, but um, the documentation might tell you just to map the two directly. Yeah, final one. All right, final one. I wanted to keep this um, as quick as possible uh, for you all, but the last one is, again, this is not an email blast tool. And so we shouldn't be thinking about it that way. Market automation is used for, you know, scaling out kind of large email sends, um, but this tool should be used for personal, personalization, personalized outreach. There's things outside of email that these support. These tools are more than just an emailing tool. They're more of like a outbound or sales engagement tool. So there's a lot of steps that get put in place into sequences, not just emailing. And so, like I said, number one thing, if you have a bunch of cadences or sequences that are all just automated steps where there's nothing that SDR needs to do, that sounds a bit like a nurture. Why is the SDR even doing anything? That sounds a bit like a drip, just emails you can send from a market automation platform. No personalization. You know, that doesn't, there, there's no distinguishment then between a marketing email and an SDR email sending from sales engagement tools. Yeah. So it's not what it's used for. Um, but there's a reason why outreach is called outreach, right? Exactly. If you're yeah. going to outreach someone, it's not it's different than just blasting <laughs> lots of people. And for those of you who are like, well, I want to do at least some personalization at scale. And I agree, like having some global sequences, you can pull in maybe pieces of data that you're capturing. So one thing that we've even done with the client is we have a set of fields um, that we sync into both systems so that they can populate it with research data um that we can then use to uh plug into email templates um so this ensures that we have some research that's being done and they can then go in and use it or not or customize it um so it's just leveraging whatever you know research that we have and making sure it gets um, populated and captured for future emails um, so that's a way you can do a little bit of personalization at scale but in the end I think education, again, for the team that's using this, this is a, this is an outreach tool. It's, you know, it's something that sales teams use to really personalize their outreach. Outbound is, you know, does not have a competitive edge whatsoever. If it's just blanketed, you're not going to get any response. So, so really like use best practice with these tools. Think of fun ways to personalize or, you know, educate your SDR and sales team on on what they can do as part of their process to make sure those emails are personalized and they're taking the time to really ensure their outreach is effective. There we go. Yeah, so that was five, five things. Um, if some of you have any other ones, you know, definitely uh, let us know, but those are the top ones that we see from doing a ton of implementations for sales after outreach. Um, I'm sure there's other tools that do the same thing, but those are the top two that we work with. So. Um, yeah, let me know if you have any other tips that we think we should share. Um, and uh, yeah, hope you guys put these in place and 
Um, if you enjoyed this episode or you know someone who's actually about to implement a sales engagement tool or that owns it and thinks they could benefit, please share. Uh, we're on all the major platforms uh, for podcasts and um, we're happy that you joined us and we'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Thanks. Thanks.